The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Hey, man. Been quite a week, hasn't it? It's been a century, I feel like. Yeah. All right. Well, we will get into it. I will just start the music and we'll get rolling. Hello and welcome to the Big Technology Podcast, a show for cool-headed, nuanced conversation of the tech world and beyond. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show on the way for you. Joining us today is Ryan Mack. He is a senior reporter at BuzzFeed News, a former colleague of mine. And I would say the man who has the best access into Facebook's internal communications. It seems like he knows things that are going on inside Facebook before the Facebook employees know them. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Nice to be back in touch. I, I miss our daily conversation, so hopefully we'll be able to do a lot of catching up. Our daily walks uh, Over the too, next yeah. hour. Yeah. Big walks. Uh, you were a star in the BuzzFeed office. You uh, are famous for when we used to be in-person microwaving salmon. So I just want to give you an opportunity to apologize. Oh man, I thought that. we were going to get like 30 minutes into the podcast before we started going to the fish. No, we're going to go. I mean, the the just for all the listeners out there, oh my Ryan God. was responsible for making the entire office smell like microwave fish. That is a, almost daily oh basis. My, that is, and this is your opportunity to <laughs> apologize for your sins. So I'm just going to put it that out is there. Just I think you should, defamation. You should apologize. You should apologize to your coworkers and uh, and to anyone who even now has to process the thought of this. Does Substack cover the legal fees of your podcast? Because um, I'm going to sue over that because I, for one. First of all, yeah, this is not associated with Substack. <laughs> this is a, just a big technology production. And I'm going to counter sue you. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I'm going to win. Okay, let's do this. Let's throw hands. Um, so on. for one. There was a lot of leftovers in our office as, as someone who hates to see food go to waste. I mean, I'm, I'm a man of the people. I, I eat leftovers. So, uh, so yeah. So, if there was fish, that would go in the microwave. In my defense, it did not make the office smell that bad. I asked many people. Okay, I feel like this is going to be one of many times uh, you're asked to apologize for an <laughs> obvious wrong during the show, and you decline, which is fine, which is your prerogative. Yeah. Uh, but it was a missed opportunity. Um, let's talk about how uh, <laughs> how much access you have uh, into the Facebook employees' uh, communications. Just to start off, um, you, you got you got yelled at uh, on Twitter for how much stuff you tweet. So I get yelled um, at all the time. I get yelled at for microwaving uh, fish. Yeah, yelled at office. For- yeah doing my job um uh yeah so what's so how do you do it <laughs> uh, <laughs> i know you how do i piss it. people off um no i mean with with the access to facebook it's really funny because um i i can literally see messages that happen about the access that i have on workplace facebook users use this thing called or facebook employees use something called workplace it's kind of an internal social network an internal facebook for employees where they post they talk about things they chat they flag things in groups for other people um and when they flag like for example hey ryan mack is 
I can't believe I talked to myself in the third person, but Ryan Mack, um, uh, just is live tweeting our, our all hands meeting. Do we know about this? I think it's kind of funny. And I see that stuff in real, almost in real time. How do you make a decision, uh, what to share with the public and, and what you think, uh, is worth, you know, keeping closer to the chest because, you know, do you go through a calculation each time you share something from internal Facebook communications? Does this, you know, benefit the public interest uh, or is it sort of, um, you know, everything's fair game? Like, how do you make a decision about what you're going to put up? Because there's stuff, you know, I'll just say there's stuff that I read that is like, okay, that's important to get out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that whistleblowers are sharing. And then there's others that it's like, oh, kind of like, well, you know, this is something that I'm just going to share because I found I found it on, you know, from someone who sent me about what was going on inside Facebook. Well, I would think I would differentiate between what we put in stories versus what I tweet. And um, I mean, tweeting, when you're tweeting in the moment, things can, can go by really quickly. You kind of want to catch everything. And sometimes I do have a, a kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of tone to my tweets as well sometimes. Um, That's one way to put it. <laughs> but I'm not going to put in a story... Uh, so we've had a lot of stories. Um, my, my colleague and I, Craig, me and you, when, when you were here, um, Mm -hmm. and Charlie and Joe, Charlie Warzel now at the New York times, Joe Bernstein, fellow BuzzFeed. Shout out Joe and Charlie and Craig. Um, I mean, we, we've gotten these internal memos and we look we read these things. We're like, holy shit, this is an incredible story. Um, and we know right away that's a story. Um, when we got a memo from an, an employee, this data scientist named Sophie Zhang, um, where she she writes, I have blood on my hands. Um, the decisions that I made at Facebook were life and death decisions um, in places where we didn't even pay attention, in places like Azerbaijan or um, Central America or in places we didn't action um, political interference. And, and you're kind of reading these things. You're like, this is an incredible story. This is newsworthy this is immediately, immediately drop everything, start writing it, writing it. I mean, you kind of have that sense. Um, but like not everything rises to the level. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like compare like everything to that at the same time, we don't write a story about everything that we see internally. Um, a lot of it makes it into tweets. A lot of it is on the cutting room floor. A lot of it I save, um, for later. But yeah, there's always that kind of discussion of, of what's news really and what's not. Do you ever see something from like an internal employee when they yell at you on Twitter? Uh, you know, maybe they say, I think there was one this week accusing you of corporate espionage, corporate espionage, which I think was uh, a little bit overboard. But I think the point was that they were trying to make was you tweet everything that said inside Facebook, uh, even the stuff that's not important. And therefore, there's less transparency inside the company. Do you ever worry about, about that effect? I think about it, uh, I think a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, more than people probably think I do. Um, and I get their perspective. I, I mean, the perspective is the more reporters write about our company and what's said internally, the less, um, people are going to be willing to share out in the open if they know it's going to be written about, um, the less our, uh, executives are going to engage with us if they know that uh, a reporter is watching. I understand those sentiments. At the same time, I don't think it's my responsibility to cater to those sentiments when there is a general population that are of, of people that I think whose interests outweighs, um, I guess, individual or uh, internal corporate privacy, you know, uh, internal mm-hmm. corporate um, environments, I guess is, is probably the better word. Um, 
but I get that. I mean, these people are, they're still working at Facebook. They're embattled. A lot of them are still proud to work there. You know, a lot of them still think they're making a difference. And it's annoying when um, a reporter is, is, is reporting out things um, that are said from their colleagues. On the flip side of that, I've seen internally at Facebook, a lot of people defending the reporting process, a lot of people understanding um, why things are leaked. Um, I think things are leaked because there's a frustration that uh, executives are not doing enough. They're not getting, they're not um, paying attention. They're not listening to what um, mid-level or low-level employees are saying about and what they're seeing on the ground. And you get that, um, you've, we've heard that sentiment multiple times, actually. Sophie Zhang's memo is one where she mentions that um, the company doesn't react to uh, a task that's filed by a low-level employee. It's really when there's a PR crisis. And so that's when, when there's a PR crisis, all hands are on deck. Yeah, Facebook and you're the PR crisis. And I, I am the valve of the PR crisis. People come to me to... I don't know, start a PR crisis. Not, not, not like that's, mm-hmm. that, that's not how they phrase it, but they know that um, things will get attention. Things will get attention. Um, I'm a, I report, I hold companies accountable um, and they know that that's the way Facebook acts. You know, look at this week, you know, what did it take to suspend Donald Trump? A riot, you know, and a lot of coverage. So do you think that was the appropriate move to suspend the president? Um, I do. I do. In that moment, yes. So um, it's interesting that you put it the way that you did. You said that they waited till this moment to suspend the president. Mm-hmm. Um, when would you have done it? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know if there's a, a day that I would be like, oh, this is the day I could point to where they would have done it. But as someone who's tracked the sentiment on what he said, I mean, and I think there's a difference between banning him completely and then like also banning like the algorithmic spread of his of his statements. You know, there's ways to like keep him on the platform without allowing him to be reshared or engaged with or likes or commented on, you know. There, there's like I think there's like the, that level of gray area or that that granularity where it's not just up or down, you know. Um, but in that moment where there are literally people in the in the Capitol building, um, uh, they're attacking police officers, they're storming offices. People are literally fearing for their lives, and you have someone posting on Facebook. I don't know what he. I don't even remember what he said. But I mean, he he did know. say he had a mixed message. He said, "I you know." He said, I love you. You're special, which is astonishing, given the fact that they were trying to overthrow mm-hmm. a democratic government. But he also said, go home. He eventually said, go home. He eventually said, go home. Yeah. That was oh, not in his- same In the same video. I've, yeah. A- anyone who's watching that might have gotten a message that I should still be right. in the Capitol. Right. And the video, again, had that. Actually, that wait a second. Of- I'm taking that back. They, they would have gotten a message, I should go home from the Capitol. But he probably doesn't care. If I stick around too much, given what he's just said about me. On top of the fact that that video said, and we're talking about the video that was allowed on Facebook that was then later taken down, it, about, it said the, it, it, the election was stolen. So feeding into yeah. that, the sentiment of why they were there, right? The reason right. why they were there is, oh, he's, he's saying it's still stolen, you know? So would you have banned him like a week before or 
you know, a couple of months, like when he, because he's been saying since he got in office that the election results, even in 2016, weren't legitimate. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, and, and yeah, I, I just like to talk to you about this a little bit because it is easy for, uh, for people on the outside to say, you know, that why did they wait until now or they should ban him? Um, but it's also, it's a pretty difficult call to make to ban the president of the United States well, I'm glad I don't from make, your platform. I'm glad I don't make the millions of dollars or whatever the I mean, you get, yeah, they to, get rewarded to, to make these calls, right? But <laughs> no doubt, but putting the money aside, mm -hmm. what's the, what's the line in the sand for you? It's got to be the incitement of violence. Um, mm -hmm. When you're, and you can go back to that May looting and shooting tweet, mm -hmm. you know, not tweet, tweet. I mean, it was a tweet, but I was also a Facebook post, you know? Yeah. And that, that just, I'm looking, I just remember how that, the sentiment that caused internally at Facebook. I wasn't even like paying attention internally at Facebook that much, you know? I was, I had other stories I was covering. I was, I don't cover Facebook. It's not my mandate to cover Facebook on a day to day basis. Um, I, I cover other companies. I write about Tesla, Twitter, Google. Um, it's more of like a corporate accountability thing, but like, when that happened in May, everything just kind of switched and you're like, holy shit, like these employees are pissed. They are very mad. And they were so mad that they they did a virtual walkout, which in retrospect is like kind of silly, you know, like they didn't show up for work one day. Um, they changed their avatars to um, a black and white fist. But like that has never been done before at Facebook. You know, these people are like, we're pretty happy for the most part for the last... I don't know how many years. Yeah, Even, I mean, forever. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. I mean, speaking with Facebook employees, this is unlike any other time that I've ever spoken with them. Yeah. Uh, it, it did seem there was definitely like a, a real Kool-Aid drinking and still still exists where, you know, Facebook is the best thing in the world. But I think something did switch when you saw that tweet uh, where Trump, I mean, sorry, that, that we keep calling it a tweet, uh, shows where our brains are at. Yeah. But you saw that Facebook post where, where uh, Trump was like, when the looting begins, the shooting begins in the middle of the Black Lives Matter. The looting process. starts, the shooting starts. Yeah. I mean, right, right. Um, it has great historical context. Yeah. And so that's when things really shifted inside the company. And that's when we, I actually started to pull at threads at the company. We got these, um, these poll surveys. Fa did yeah. Facebook kept that post up? Facebook kept that post up and Zuckerberg defended it. And uh, he said, there's, uh, it's not clear what he meant. Um, it could be interpreted this way. Yeah. We know it's people, amazing, right? We hear people are hurt. Yeah. I mean, there was a whole, I remember there was, I think there was like multiple posts that he made about it. No doubt. Like right as the, the ban uh, went into effect uh, on Trump after the storming of the Capitol, I went back and read uh, the blog post about Zuckerberg's We Stand for a Free Expression, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, stand in, at the Georgetown speech. And it was like, well, it, it worked out differently. Or, you know, you might have tried to stick with this as long as you could. But at a certain point, uh, they did draw that line. So. The funny thing about that Georgetown meeting yeah. is he had, that same trip, he had dinner with Trump at the White House. So, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I feel like everybody who saw this saw the election coming. Not everyone, but a good number of people. I certainly have felt over the years that you know, if Trump lost, there was going to be a situation like this, and uh, and it it did sort of put Zuckerberg in this <laughs> losing position uh, after his previous statements. One of the things I wanted to talk about also was like, I mean, at Facebook, 
there is this idea to like assume good intent. Like there's always this, I don't, mm. if, I don't know if you've ever seen this or had anyone ever talk about it with you. Um, but it's all it comes up every now and then on the forums or on workplace. This assume good intent um, from the people. Never assume like the worst, you know. And with Trump, they just continue to assume good intent, assume good intent. And like at some point, like how many times is that is that person going to bite you? You know, like that comes back to bite you multiple times. Maybe that presumption is just wrong. You know, or maybe you shouldn't. You shouldn't start with that operating principle. Well, yeah, it is. It's been an issue for the company. They uh, have been notoriously techno optimistic for a long time, uh, and and I did uh, cover this a little bit in in my book, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, where they uh, actually brought in people who did start from a standpoint of maybe you don't assume good intent, but. Uh, the question is like, you know, having those, those inputs in your feedback system, uh, you know, they're important, but they only really count for something if you listen to them. And I remember, I mean, I'm so for people listening, I mean, Alex and I reported on this memo that was written by a vice president of Facebook named Andrew Bosworth. He'd think he's like the number three or four person in terms of rank at, at Facebook. And that memo was called the ugly, right? And it detailed this idea of like connecting the world makes it a better place no matter what happens. And the examples he used were like if we connect people and terrorist attack happen on our platform and um what was the other shit he said? Um oh, or in suicides are broadcasted on our platform um connecting it, it effectively said it doesn't matter connecting the world makes it a better place. Well, yeah, he said, we believe connecting is de facto good. De facto good, right, right. And then, but then, and then after we, 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 so that was from a 2016, we found that in 2018, we published it. He said to us, oh, I was, I was just saying that in jest. I was, it was, uh, it was meant to be um, controversial and, and spark debate. Well, I think he, what he was trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, was that he was putting that, ment- that memo out there as a caricature of some of the belief that he saw on Facebook in order for people to reckon with the fact that, you know, if this is the extreme of where our beliefs can go, that connecting people is de facto good, no matter the consequences, then perhaps that's something we should reckon with. I mean, so whether he believed it he or, or not after the fact, it, yeah. yeah, but the, the point is whether he believed it himself or whether he saw it was painting this as a caricature, it pointed to a very serious problem inside the company, which is that that belief was there. Yeah. And I've talked to employees who said that they built products under that belief, you know, like even if it's like, if you throw something out there as a, let's say, let's, let's, let's assume good faith here. Let's assume good intent that he threw that out as a joke or as like a, a devil's advocate kind of post. It doesn't matter because people end up believing that anyways, you know, people on the chain of, in, under his chain of command or within Facebook who joined, who maybe mm-hmm. read that later, believed it. And I, I we reported that in 2018, and I remember Zuckerberg giving us like a statement that's that was like a condemnation of that post. And then soon after that, I, you kind of saw his tone change around connecting the world. Um, and then I've I followed his public statements, but he's like, um, he's he's kind of acknowledged that connecting the world is not always a good thing. Like there's there's bad things that happen in connecting the world, and and it, treating it as this like kind of plus minus column or like a weighing the scale of as long as there's more good um we're we're fine here because it's a net good the world just doesn't work like that and i think they've started to recognize that 
that's just not a position they can take. It's not one that's tenable. Well, I mean, it's it's weird because it is their business model to connect people, but they are trying to. I guess they have to figure out they have to put safeguards in. Um, I want to get your take on why you think Zuckerberg finally did ban Trump. Was it the employees? Was it uh, pressure from outsiders? Was it his own conscience after watching it happen? I think it was a combination of all the above and also um, seeing other companies react. You can never underestimate how how the, the, the role of other companies' decisions play into these. Sure. I mean, I mean, Twitter did suspend Trump for sure. Twitch banned him. But, uh, you know, nothing with this. I mean, Facebook had stood by uh, Trump's ability to mm-hmm. post for a long time. And uh, then goes out and takes, you know, the strongest action of any of the major platforms saying you're, you can't access your accounts or you're blocked from posting for uh, at least two weeks till the new administration comes in and then and then maybe longer. So it is definitely a break from, I mean, even, you know, Twitter, which is like the ultimate copycat network, you know, waited to, for Facebook and Apple to take action until they banned Alex Jones. They didn't even follow suit. Apparently, this is too extreme you know, for them. And honestly, I think it merits a discussion of whether this was the right move or not um, to ban for that long. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, he did, he definitely did, uh, uh, you know, take, sorry, didn't mean to try to rebut you, but um, I don't even know if I got a serious action. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. I'm gonna let you talk more. I, I talked to Alex Samos this week about that. Um, Alex Samos, chief security, former chief security officer at Facebook. Um, who's now at Stanford uh, teaching. Um, and we talked about this and we were like, okay, why now? Like why, what, what happened here? Um, what changed Mark's mind, Mark Zuckerberg's mind? And for Stamos, the, the, like it's, it was the realization that like, okay, well, the reason why we, we, we have these principles of standing for free expression here, we want, we want to, we want to kind of hem to the, as closely to, standing for free expression as possible is, is to uphold uh, liberal democracy basically. Um, and the principles of liberal, de- liberal democracy. But if you, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're upholding that principle for someone who is going to undermine liberal democracy with his statements, then it kind of just falls apart, right? If you're, if you're holding up um, this kind of free expression um, ideal and the person that uses that free expression ideal is going to say, well, we should just tear this whole thing down. Um, and we should delegitimize the vote and we should doubt everything about this process, then you're kind of at, you're nowhere, right? You're, 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 you're at, you're at square one, I guess. Yeah. Sort of doesn't make sense to yeah. uh, preserve. Well, I guess what, yeah, there, there's an argument that doesn't make sense to preserve free expression if the result of that is going to be the loss of free expression. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. That's, that's a really good way of putting it. And I was like, that makes sense. Like, if that's a good, that's a, where you arrive at that. I don't know. I don't know where you make the, the decision on that. And like, like I've kind of like danced around the idea of when I would have banned him, but like that assessment probably should have been made. Um, or at least for Facebook should have been discussed out in the open. They have this oversight board, right? That, that was supposed to go into place. I mean, it is going into place, but we kind of have heard very little from it. This kind yeah, of, they've been incredibly ineffectual and very disappointing. It's kind of third-party board that's supposed to be Facebook's Supreme Court in terms of decision-making. They could have they could have had a public debate about this. They could have argued this in public. They could have gamed this out. They could have really been 
out in the open with us and discuss, okay, if this happens and this happens, if, if this happens and this, ha- you know, like there's a, they play out these scenarios, you know, these people that work at Facebook are supposed to be the, some of the smartest people in the world. They're hired from the top universities around the world, you know, why can't they think about this? Um, there's mm-hmm. 50,000 people that work there, you know? And so when it comes to a decision like that, when it ha- actually happens in the moment, it just looks so reactive. And so even if they have Kevin Ruse at the New York times had a great uh, tweet about this, but like they had the sca- even if they had the scaffolding in place, like they were preparing for this, like it still felt extremely reactive in the moment. And that's all people are going to remember. Right. They're not going to care about the processes that got them there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it is, you know, I feel like it will always feel a little like you're going to have in the rule book, uh, if you encourage, you know, a, the, the overthrow of a democratic government, uh, then you cannot have Facebook. Like it's <laughs> kind of crazy to put that in, in the rule book. But um, well, I, I'm kind of curious what you think about this too. The, um, another theory has been, you know, the Senate was uh, surprisingly won by the Democrats uh, mm-hmm. that morning when uh, Ossoff uh, took the second seat in Atlanta, and then Zuckerberg is looking at the fact that you're going to have a Democratic White House, a Democratic Senate, a Democratic House. And uh, he just uh, makes this decision, what's best for Facebook right now, and then takes this action. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any merit to that? Oh, man. I don't know if I should speculate (laughs) on that one. That one's, I've I've seen that a lot. I've seen people talk about that a lot. Um, I mean, I will, I will speculate. I think that that is definitely the case. Okay. uh, That that played into his decision making. It's, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you, Ryan, you've done all this reporting about (laughs) how he is conservative. uh, He's courted conservative power over the past four years. So it doesn't seem like out of the realm of possibility that that was on his mind when he made the choice. That never made, I was like, I was like, for me, the, the moment where I came to that realization was like, we reported the story out where he like made a secret phone call to Trump, like right after Trump had won the election. Like mm-hmm. he was, he had stayed away. Remember that Trump tower meeting? They sent, mm-hmm. they sent Sheryl Sandberg instead. They're like, Oh, Mark's busy. But like, like Jeff Bezos went, Larry Page went. Yeah. I mean, it is the president of the United States. Yeah. Like, what's he doing? Reviewing the latest iteration of Messenger. Yeah. And they all went up the golden elevators in Trump Tower in New York. And Zuckerberg was like mm-hmm. the main person who didn't go. And like, it was like, oh, shit. Like, he's, he's taking a stand, you know. But then we like found out he like placed a phone call to him to congratulate him, you know. And we reported that out. And it was like, dude, like, he's a savvy political actor like yeah well this was his top user and a good job i mean it seems like conservative content performs really well on facebook so yeah and then you get the stories about him like texting with ben shapiro and having dinner with you know and hosting um grievance meetings with the glenn becks of the world you know but shouldn't he, he should be hearing from both sides of the political spectrum. But so. he doesn't hear from the other. Either you don't, I mean, you, I, you, you're I not. Mean, he, hurts, he hears from it from his employees, for yeah. sure. I know. I think it's one thing to like meet with Glenn Beck and have Ben Shapiro over for dinner and um, get yelled at by like um, Color for Change, for example, uh, which is an activist group. Um, you know, one is like, I think those are just two different settings, you know. Yeah. You don't think Zuckerberg meets with any left-leaning uh, personalities or I don't know if he's in those meetings. I know the uh, the person they usually send out for those is Cheryl. Cheryl does those mm. meetings. Um, I'm sure he takes a couple when there's like an extremely bad moment for the company, like after um, the George Floyd stuff and like 
during the, what is that, that Facebook ad boycott, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure where he, where he was in those moments. But he, I mean, it's weird because he used to hate that stuff. I mean, the reason why he hired Cheryl was to deal with that stuff, you know, and hired like a whole political arm in, in DC so he didn't have to touch it. And now he, he transformed into a political actor for the last four years. And his first main task as a political actor or one of it was to was to court the right. Um, I mean, I guess the other example, of course, is China. When he was like, he became like um, diplomat, the diplomat for the company, and like went to China and learned Mandarin and spoke at universities there, trying to get. I mean, he's a savvy political actor when he needs to be. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you think he's good at it. Is he good at it? He's, I don't, ugh. he shows up. <laughs> I, th- I don't know. Yeah. Learning Mandarin is pretty fucking great. Like to. But Facebook's not in China. And yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that didn't work, right? It just seems like an impossible position to be in, to be at the helm of one of these companies. I mean, not to comment on his performance, you know, or, or even Dorsey's performance in, in particular and uh, at the head of Facebook and Twitter, but um one of the things that I found amazing was, uh, you know, after sharing the news of uh, Facebook blocking Trump, uh, it was my, my mentions just became a stream of people calling him a fascist and a Nazi. And I was like struck by the fact that like, wow. Wait, who is that Trump was or that? that no, uh, just just people were calling Zuckerberg a fascist and a Nazi from the right. And I was like, wow. Democrats and Republicans both call Zuckerberg a fascist and a Nazi. And it doesn't seem like any of the decisions that he's made have made anybody happy at all. He's kind of fallen into this like awful middle, right? Mm -hmm. Where he is a bogeyman on the right and he is a bogeyman on the left. And yeah, it's, where did I see this? But it's like, Internally at Facebook, someone wrote like, this must be a good thing. We're hated by both sides. We must be just, we're pissing off both sides. We, we must be doing something, right? I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's like how you want to, cool, but cool. Like that, sure. Like if that, if that's how you want to play your cards, but like, I thought that was just very funny. Yeah. Do you, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I, uh, once wrote a story that, that made everybody mad and I was like, Oh, I'm doing something right. And Ben Smith told me, or you're a troll. And I was like, okay, maybe that's not an outcome. I should, what story was that anymore? I, I really did. I don't remember. It was like five, five years ago at this point it was the very early days at Buzzfeed. And then I very quickly realized like that shouldn't be a goal. Um, you got news to break. All right. It seems like Ryan has something going on. So why don't we just go at a break and then we'll return uh, right when he gets back. Will AI improve our lives or exterminate the species? What would it take to abolish poverty? Are you eating enough fermented foods? These are some of the questions we've tackled recently on The Next Big Idea. I'm Rufus Griscom, and every week I sit down with the world's leading thinkers for in-depth conversations that will help you live, work, and play smarter. Follow The Next Big Idea wherever you get your podcasts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. 
It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Okay, we are back here on the second half of the Big Technology Podcast. We had to go to break. Uh, You might have heard some typing and (laughs) Ryan feeling exasperated because as we were recording this on Friday, January 8th, uh, in the middle of this recording, Twitter uh, just banned Donald Trump from uh, its service. We were saying in the first half that it sounded it sounded weird uh, that Twitter wouldn't follow or it was surprising that Twitter wouldn't follow. And lo and behold, Twitter followed. So um, we're going to get back into the discussion of Facebook. But uh, Ryan, just uh, <laughs> we'd have to let you talk about this. What, what's your thought about it? Well, we, I mean, we're like the Oracle. It's pretty amazing. We're talking timing, about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Okay, but go ahead. I think yeah. my like my uh, stream like blacked out and like could sense the disturbance yeah. in the forest, and then had to check <laughs> Twitter. There was, yeah, and there was yeah. seventy five million followers silenced. But uh, no, I'm joking. But uh, talking about yours or, or his or eighty, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was not. A, I mean, I guess it was expected. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Friday, Friday, I, Friday night. News I thought day. they would follow soon after Facebook. I mean, it's just the pattern with these companies that they they go one right after the and other. Again, it's going to be the indecisiveness that people talk about, right? We suspended yeah. him for twelve hours, mm-hmm. let him back on. He put a he put a video up yesterday. Um, uh, went kind of quiet. Tweeted a couple times again, and then got knocked out again. So, um, yeah, that's the end of an era. Um, well, look, we're going to play this a couple of days afterwards, but it does sort of tie into what we were just talking to, which is that uh, Zuckerberg, obviously hated by both sides, Jack Dorsey will certainly be uh, in that camp uh, after this move. Uh, so I guess like w- the question I was about to get to before we went to break is, uh, does it, uh, does this, does the fact that these companies, uh, you know, are hated by so many people, does that mean they're just making all the wrong decisions or is it that being in charge of a platform with hundreds of millions or you know a couple billion people uh, is just an impossible job, and uh, there's no right way to go about it. I think that's a because you know, we all like to play armchair quarterback. Yeah. So armchair C billionaire CEO. Um, I think that's kind of the wrong way to look at it. To be honest with you, like liked, okay, liked, yeah. liked, Let's and unliked. It. I think is like is not the kind of y axis that I think we should be grading these x axis y axis I'm, I'm never even good at math um uh access let's just go uh, yeah. access yeah I mean, if, uh, or the spectrum that you should be grading the ceos on i mean you want them to be principled you want them to just have firm principles that they stand for and that they adhere to in spite of essentially public pressure or whether or not they're going to be perceived as liked or not liked you know you're always going to piss off someone at least if you adhere to your rules or your standards that are clear and um, open, then hopefully you'll you'll garner some respect. And mm-hmm. I think the problem with these companies is that their rules change on a weekly, monthly, weekly basis. Right? There's this kind of moving the goalposts here, um, shifting shifting that there, you know, and and it's it's never clear. Like I, I report on Facebook for a living. I I couldn't tell you what their their rules are around um political actors, you know? Like there's there seems to be some kind of new wrinkle every week. 
And it's just frustrating, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's interesting that you say they shouldn't be uh, uh, responsive to public pressure because in the first half, you talked about how you are the public pressure. So do you want them just to not listen to you and kind of, I'm not saying they listen to me, but it's the reason why they listen to me is because, I mean, employees have realized that the only thing that, that uh, these CEOs listen to is seems to be public shaming, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Bad stories in the press. Um, but like if they adhered to those principles and like stuck to their guns more, you know, maybe there wouldn't, there would be less of that, you know, you, you, I don't know. It's like a kind of like a chicken and the egg problem, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe if Zuckerberg just stopped listening to me, you know, that, that sounds so, yeah, I'm stuck up, but like, or just like stop, you know, and just led based on the principles set out by his company. Yeah. And I'm certainly not going to make any excuses for either of these CEOs, but I also wonder if it just points, pushes home about how like, you know, there, there's kind of no, no easy decisions on this stuff. And, um, you know, you try to set principles, but, um, you're challenged in directions that, um, in many ways, uh, you may, you might not have anticipated. So, um, you know, I, I wonder if the act of even setting the rules is impossible, but you seem to think that that there is a way to do it. And I, I mean, this is something that I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, out Twitter, myself, Twitter's so. approach is like our rules are a living, breathing document. I think they've used that. Yeah. You're not into that because that basically means they can do whatever they want. I mean, I guess is it a living, breathing document? Like, I don't Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like open to changes, but when every, when it, and these things seem, these things seem to change every week, you know, or mm-hmm. there seems to be no standard, um, for example, uh, um, mm-hmm. we reported earlier this year at Facebook that, okay, there's these conservative pages, um, Prager, PragerU, which is puts these videos together and uh, often have misinformation. Charlie Kirk, the, the head of Turning Points USA, um, these pages can be fact-checked by third-party fact-checkers. And in, in certain instances, mm-hmm. they did share misinformation that was fact-checked by third-party fact-checkers. And under under those strikes that get assessed after those fact checks um after a certain amount of strikes um you get penalties assessed to your page you you get demotion in terms of your reach you can't you're not read as widely as many people your the algorithm doesn't serve you up to as to as many users as as normal and sometimes you get prevented from running ads what we reported is um those strikes were being assessed they they, they were actually sharing misinformation some about climate change I forgot what some of the others were, but then these Facebook um, executives um, uh, who who were on the policy team went in and advocated that those strikes should be removed. Not clear why, but there, there's just kind of this tweaking of 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 the rules there. I mean, um, and and that allowed these pages to kind of con- continue to persist and act um, as if nothing had happened. Um, and that's I think that's a prime example of. Uh, Facebook not sticking to its guns. Their statement to us in that in that story was insane. By the way, it was like, yes, yes, saying? fact checkers have the ability to um, to deem things as misinformation and to label them, but only we can assess the penalties. We decide the penalties, which means that their mm-hmm. whole third party fact checking process is kind of a sham. It's a farce. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to ask, like, why is it important to have standards? Because uh, 
because maybe you do want some judgment. Maybe you want to have the ability for a platform to stand back and say, okay, well, we don't have a rule for this, but um, you know, certainly this is. But but I think what you just said, though, is a pretty good counterpoint to the argument of um, and that's like you know, one, maybe, yeah. maybe lean on judgment. Because people tend to get, you know, caught up on on rules and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess like that, it, you know, rules for rules sake to me sometimes seems a little ridiculous uh, when you're talking about how social media companies enforce their platforms. Sometimes I think case by case makes mm-hmm. some more sense. But what you're talking about here uh, is, is a really serious issue. I don't think many people uh, pay attention to. And they come full circle on that. I mean, the reason why we reported that story is because someone, uh, people internally were pissed about that. You know, they were mad. Uh, they came to us, you know, um, yeah. to illustrate your point of governing by PR crisis, you know? Yeah. Which has always, it's always been the case yeah. uh, for Facebook. And it's interesting because at the beginning of this year, Zuckerberg, uh, very explicitly said, I'd rather be understood than liked. <laughs> I don't think he's either. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, strike, strike on both counts. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, the second order, let's talk about these bans for a second, mm-hmm. um, because they're going to be a huge issue the week this comes out. Uh, second order effect of these bans is that people can end up, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that there's going to be a large segment of, uh, you know, MAGA Twitter that's going to move over to Parler, Gab, and, you know, maybe a, a third yet to be named platform mm-hmm. that's going to come up. Uh, in place because that audience, you know, they don't just, you know, when Donald Trump's account goes away, they don't just leave the internet, mm-hmm. they go somewhere. So, um, you know, these platforms can be, I just wrote about this in big technology this mm-hmm. week, they can become echo chambers and um, you might end up having people, you know, uh, being even less able to see, you know, people they disagree with as people mm-hmm. versus versus memes and caricatures. Um, so, so what is your take on that? See, I, I, I don't know, but like, uh, yeah. And the funny thing is right before we started recording this, we just published a story about Parler. Um, we got Apple sent Parler a letter to essentially start moderating content, better stop preventing violence from being incited on Parler or face expulsion from the app store. Um, so I don't know how long Parler right, is going to so be in the people, app store. Um, people can leave. Well, it's going to be up to Apple whether that Donald Trump can have a account on that, which is an right. interesting kind of out of left field content moderation decision we didn't expect. But like you're asking, are, we, are, are people going to moderate to these places and are these places going to exist and how are they going to act and how is it going to interact with Twitter? Well, yeah. Is it going to be like I some kind of upside like, down Twitter? Um, what are the second order effects going to be? Which is important to discuss. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be, yeah. it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm not making a value judgment on it. I'm just saying we need to think about. It. I don't know what Trump looks like on not on Twitter. If Trump goes to Parler and starts like going crazy on there, because so much of his Twitter is about owning libs, owning the libs, you know, <laughs> owning the libs. You know, that's that's like his. That's the brand. It, that yeah. that's a, the brand of a lot of people on Twitter. And when they get banned, you don't have that same like I tweeted something bad. I'm now going to let the let the engagement roll in, which then creates an anger wave cycle thing. And then like we go around again, you know? So like. But there's more, there's gotta be more to it than that. I mean, some of the, uh, you know, this, the, these, these platforms though? get, yes, I, I would definitely say so. I, I mean, mean yeah, you know, I don't think Donald's Donald Trump's uh, uh, account is, you know, is used to com- communicate with his supporters for sure. 
um, you know, which I think you pointed out talking about how we rallied them yeah. over the past couple of months. So that's definitely another use case. And then there's, of course, uh, you know, the the major factor of losing access is um, is not having that, you know, immediate key into any you know, newsroom who would just drop a well, tweet in Slack and then start to, you know, build a But there's also the other effect it. of him no longer being president, right? Like the reason why we paid attention to his Twitter is because he could start war with North yeah. Korea with the tweet. But if he, he no longer has right. that power anymore and he's on so parlor, yeah. you know, like, no doubt. do I, that's do I gone. care? Like, do I, do I, if he's like, and section 230, we, we will destroy the, you know, and he's, he's doing it on parlor, but he no longer has yeah, the power no. anymore. Look, the thing I think that we should be thinking about is the fact that there's lots of um, supporters. You know, we saw many of them march into the Capitol uh, over over the past week uh, and they will be listening. Sure. And what happens when it becomes, you know, an echo chamber and it is all like minded folks. You know, we've talked over the past couple of years about how. The, we don't have a shared sense of reality anymore. And that was when, when everybody was on Facebook and Twitter. So now, now we certainly are going to have that problem mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, in multiples, given what's going on right now. Or it's possible that the Republican Party just and conservatives just move beyond Trump and we all get back together and uh, can live in the same world again. Wow, that's very... Optimistic? I, I said it's possible. Assume, I didn't say it's going to happen. Assume good... <laughs> Assume good intent. intent. (laughs) There was no assumption there. (laughs) Come on, look, the fact that I'm even throwing that out. I'm just playing devil's uh, advocate, yeah. Yeah, just asking questions. Yeah, I'm just asking. Uh, But but no, I'd like to, don't you think this is an important thing to discuss though? Like, I'd like to get your thought on it. Yeah, I mean, that that is a concern that a place like Parler or Gab can be like a breeding ground for, I think, we're all thinking about that. That's already starting to happen in private places like Telegram that aren't relegated or regulated or monitored as much as as a place like a Facebook would be or Facebook group, you know, um, things like Discord. Um, do I think like Donald Trump is going to start a Discord channel and 70 million people are going to be in that? I don't know. No, it definitely won't be the same amount. 30 uh, million people. people, 20 million people. You know? That's a sizable yeah. amount of people. So... Look, man, I didn't. I didn't anticipate people storming the Capitol to this week, and I, I can't tell you what's going to happen really? next week. I mean, that was surprising to you. I mean, I should rephrase that. I mean, we saw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as someone who like saw these groups, I mean, it was on. It was on the car. Like, it was in the realm of possibility. Did I think they would actually do it? And it's as opposed to like LARP, you know, and like like walk around in camo and um um carry don't tread on me flags, you know, and actually like break that through the windows. Right. Well, they did it in Michigan in the middle of these anti-lockdown protests. They did it in Michigan, but they didn't actually like, yeah, I mean, and they did it with guns actually, which is more terrifying, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, the scenes this week were just, let me put it this way. Even if you were, even if you, even if you were monitoring it, we're just shocking, you know? Totally. Yeah, I mean, I, that was how I felt. Shocked, but not surprised, but shocked. Uh, yeah. It's weird because, yeah, you're like thinking about it. You're like, this, could this happen? Yeah, it could. That's why we're monitoring it. Will it happen? I don't know. Hopefully not. Yeah. And it did. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's just, just a building, but it is also the democratic process. Uh, and, you know, had they gotten hold of those electoral votes and burned them, <laughs> you know, which is not out of the realm of possibility, oh that could have been it. An issue. 
that could have been a real big issue because those are the actual votes. Like the ceremony would have had to kind of been paused and delayed and we have an inauguration week. So it's so sad. Just so sad. Yeah, it is. It's sad. It's a, it's a dark moment in the country's history. I mean, this is definitely one uh, that they're going to have in the history books and we'll look back on and, you know, you and I will have to explain to our kids one day and, you know, they'll be like, but did that really happen? Sure did. So, yeah, uh, in terms of taking action, the um, the counterpoint to these platforms taking action, we talked a little bit about the second order effects of where people are going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some people who also would say they shouldn't do these bans because what's going to happen now is that, you know, after they set that precedent, they're just going to be subject to pressure campaigns, uh, you know, from their employees and uh, from the outside and uh, of people who have seen them, you know, take this action and try to get them to do it again to their, mm-hmm. you know, political opponents in the future. So what do you think about that? I think it's a worry. Yeah. I think there's now a precedent that's set, not just for the U.S. You got to think of like other places around the world. What happens to Duterte's account, you know, like what mm-hmm. happens to Modi? Um, and... I'm just thankful I'm not in the position to make those decisions, right? Like there, there's, there's going to be very difficult decisions on the line. Um, and this is no n- doubt. This is not going to be the last time we see something like this happen. Um, yeah, it is. Sorry, go ahead. No, but I, I just was going to say like, they kind of dug them this hole for themselves, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm going to agree. Like, it's also like, uh, it, it's pretty remarkable that a large percentage of the world's speech has migrated to two websites, essentially two websites and apps. And I would say, I mean, Facebook more than, more so than Twitter, but yeah. Yeah. Facebook, the Facebook universe. Yeah. So let, let's end the show. I mean, this, uh, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, let's end the show with uh, a little bit of a discussion of what happens next to Facebook. I mean, I was writing up some notes uh, to send over to CNBC today. And I wrote that, Democrats hate Facebook. Republicans hate Facebook. The FTC is suing Facebook and looking for a breakup. And 48 state attorney generals are doing the same. Um, and I said, uh, oh, and, and also the Democrat Congress may pass new antitrust laws that take aim directly at Facebook's business. So for years, I've been confident that Facebook could weather any storm. And now I'm not so sure. So what do you think happens here? I don't know. And you, I don't know. Like, uh, you have a, a, a president who went into the election saying he doesn't like Mark Zuckerberg. He's on record saying that. Um, at the same time, mm-hmm. the administration is hiring former Facebookers left and right, people that have yeah. worked at the in various capacities at the company. Um, I think these antitrust lawsuits mean a lot. I also paying attention to the Google um, antitrust lawsuits that are um, led by the Texas Attorney General because that has a lot of Facebook stuff in there as well. Which is like yeah. awful PR for the company. If you if you right. the, uh, the the collusion on ads allegation, yeah, cooperation alleging that Facebook and Google made a secret deal that Facebook would win mm-hmm. a set number of ad auctions, which if it's proven out in court, is very bad for both companies. I mean, beyond the legal challenges, this is just going to be an awful PR year for Facebook. Like, if if yeah, if, why is that? Because I mean, they're going to be constantly in the news with these with these legal challenges with 
Uh, yeah, the, the antitrust stuff. Yeah, I mean, 2020 was bad for them. 2018 was bad for them with Cambridge, the Cambridge Analytica cycle. 2019 was kind of a respite, and then it was back into it with the election in 2020. And like, it just seems to be never ending for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I have, I'm sure they have a plan or like some kind of process in place to how, how to deal with this stuff. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we reported, for example, they, they went through and, and, and um, did this training course for all employees to, um, like, how to handle antitrust discussions and, like, not to put stuff in writing. There was actually a training course at the... No way. Yeah, like, they did, like, a, a like an online training, like, thing that everyone had to complete. Um, like, how to deal with antitrust issues, um, which I thought was very funny. And just like a sign of the don't times. Do, don't do crimes. Don't do crimes. <laughs> step one, don't do crimes. <laughs> step two, repeat step one. Yeah. <laughs> step two. See, but see it, step no, it was, it was literally like, don't put stuff in writing when you can get on the phone. If you need to put stuff in writing, have a lawyer on it. It was just like, I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like. How to evade accountability. Yeah. And then like Zuckerberg has said multiple times on workplace and so have a bunch of other execs, do not talk about antitrust stuff like on workplace. You will be, it will be removed. Like, cause I mean, they're, they're just terrified of discovery on all this stuff. I mean, they've created a platform where employees post their every thought, you know, and, and argue, and argue every point, you know, <laughs> and now they're telling them to shut up and it's just like, kind of antithetical to their, yeah. their ethos how do you think the the antitrust stuff plays out do you think they get broken up or is it just a ceremonial fine from the ftc i think there'll probably be some settlement it feels like there always is some settlement a meaningful settlement or another one that they can shrug off oh you mean oh like like does does instagram get split off or is it just like no some- like obviously yeah yeah actually yeah, i'd like to hear your answer on that one No, I don't know what the government has. I wish I did. Man, I'm definitely going to yeah. try and find out. You know, I don't know what they have in, from Discovery. Um, and honestly, I, the the stuff that has come out in the Google stuff, like those Google's, that Google stuff has been a lot juicier than what has been revealed in the Facebook antitrust suits in Texas. In Texas, yeah, yeah. That to me was the most surprising. That was no one had ever heard of that. Not only, the, not only that. Uh, and it, it, right now, it, it must be said it's it's an allegation based on the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. But the, the it came after Cambridge Analytica. I think the timing was like it was like late 2018, right? It was, so it's like in the <laughs> middle of all these scandals, and they know yeah. the FTC's look. They, they knew they're getting examined by the by government regulators. They still did it, you know. Yeah, the, this is sort of where I go with this: is that it's not just the FTC; it's and it's not just the DOJ and Google's case. It's all these state attorney generals. And it's a lot of stuff. Uh, and it's easy to maybe settle with one federal agency. But when you're looking at all these state agencies as well, it's like, or these state state attorney generals, it's like, that, that's pretty overwhelming. And that's where I was sort of looking at my perspective in the past about how these companies were basically going to weather whatever it took and started to think, maybe not. Um, so yeah, and maybe Facebook just becomes like, a, like its innovation is to become a conglomeration of law firms this year. You know, like <laughs> is that your your twenty twenty one? I will. Uh, that that yeah. sounds pretty good to me. 
You know, they're going to employ like half the freaking law firms in this country. Half of DC's antitrust defenses. I mean, because that's, that's the biggest threat where like Facebook reacts to threats, right? Like they buy threats, they kill them, Mm -hmm. they out compete with them, they copy their functions. And now the threat is the government, right? And so they're going to throw everything they have at this. I mean, yeah. And they have a lot. I mean, they have much more. The, the FTC's annual budget is like $350 million a year. And Facebook, Facebook makes $3 billion last quarter. Well, I think they make more than that. Uh, and and uh, profit, but yeah. Uh, oh, and profit. Talk yeah, revenue. revenue, they do $16 billion or something. Yeah, they're going like to do 80, $80 billion this year. Yeah. In a year versus $330 million, which is, I mean, of course, they'll have expenses and stuff like that, but it's a tough fight. It's going to be a good time to be a lawyer in DC right now. Yeah, seriously. Uh, now, in terms of the product, uh, we don't talk about that often, but mm-hmm. they, they have been losing teenage users. Mm-hmm. Uh, TikTok is ascendant. Uh, and I mean, I, I spent a good chunk of time on TikTok over break and it's extremely addictive and I'm going to delete it, I, but I had to know I, it. I, 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 I deleted mine. Because of security fears or because? Yeah, I got I got creeped up by the, the key logging. That, that, mm. And then um, I just couldn't, I couldn't do another platform. Like I like it when people post yeah. TikToks on Twitter. Like I think it's, and like to, on a, ironically to Instagram, I think they're funny, but like I, yeah. I don't want to go like seek them out anymore. Um, I'll, I'll see mm-hmm. the good ones that get posted. But like, yeah. I mean, there's going to be people that are going to be wary of it, but the bottom line yeah, is that it's, it's picking oh, up yeah. momentum and a real challenge to Facebook. So, uh, you know, there, what do you think is going to happen with that business? I mean, it's, I'm trying to find stuff that could be exciting about Facebook. Maybe what they're doing in virtual reality from like a, you know, a a standpoint of um, something that could catch on with people. We reported. Uh, But I'm curious what you think about stuff. I reported out their year end meeting uh, in Mm -hmm. December where they had this like product roadmap for everything. Um, And they really talked up virtual reality, Oculus. They had, they've had a lot of success with portal. They, are, Which is run by your your friend Boz, who we mentioned before. Homie. He's uh, he's uh, he's with that division. Um, you know, say what you will about his perspective on the world, but that division has thrived. Under him. Oh, Portal has. I mean, I mean, in part because of the pandemic, but it, according to mm-hmm. Katie Natopoulos, my co- our my colleague yeah. and your former colleague, it's a yeah. lovely product. It's a great product. I think she might be the number one fan of Portal. <laughs> She's um, definitely the number I'm one gonna get this, fan of Portal. We're gonna I get, don't even think it's a discussion <laughs> on that. But. We're going to get this podcast a, a Facebook Portal dis, uh, uh, sponsorship, but um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't take ads from Facebook. Okay, that's so good. unfortunately, Ryan, that's another dream. Well, we'll have well to after flush down the after the discussion that we've had on this podcast, I <laughs> doubt they'll ever want to fund anything with this. But um, yeah. uh, I think we, we've been fair. Yeah. But, okay, go ahead. But um, no, they're the. They're, they like VR. They're, they're talking about AR. They've they've made acquisitions of um, Control Labs, um, that uh, augmented reality startup. Um, they've talked about their innovations in AI. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but I reported out that they had this tool that they were going to like deploy to like summarize newspaper uh, or long, of like, course long I saw stories. It. Yeah. Ryan, you should know I read all your stories. I appreciate so, that. No worries about that. Sometimes yeah. I don't even know if my mom does because there's so many of them. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. But I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll continue to keep chugging along as as they can. But like, yeah, they're, they're mm-hmm. the the blue app is dying. 
Instagram is. I wouldn't say it dying. I mean, it's growing across, but it's less. It has less luster than it had in the past. So, sure, and it's losing. I mean, routines. there's the numbers, but don't you get like those yeah. notifications that are like, "Oh, such and such did this on Facebook three days ago," and like you, yeah. you get these email. Like whenever I start to see email notifications from them, I'm you know they're I, desperate. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like Jimmy just posted a three minute song that he recorded. You know, it's like it's just like I don't need to see this shit. Like. You're, getting, you're just getting desperate. This is this. Wow. <laughs> you know, Jimmy made a song just for you, and uh, and here in the in front of the thousands of listeners, just, to Big Technology just Podcast, slaying Jimmy, him down the river. Jimmy, your song sucked, <laughs> man. Sorry. <laughs> wow, brutal, brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not getting a sponsorship okay, from sorry. Jimmy either. <laughs> Jimmy's Jimmy's band is out. No sponsorship from them. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it is. It'll be a. It'll be. I, I see what you're saying, though. The 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 flagship apps are are definitely losing. That. WhatsApp. They're they're leading losing in on WhatsApp. Luster. We didn't talk about WhatsApp at all, but mm-hmm. they're starting yeah. to business doing the business stuff on there. Starting to enroll payments, especially in India. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm reticent to declare them dead from the product standpoint because I mean, it's it, they two billion per- have reinvented themselves, and they have. Yeah, you're right. It, yeah, they have scale. They have scale. They have 2 billion users, right? And I think you get mm-hmm. to a point where you protect that scale by copying, killing, and legaling. And they're going to have to focus probably more on the legaling front this year. Well, no doubt they're going to have to spend more energy on the legal stuff than ever before. Yeah. I, I always say last question. I'm not sure if this is, but um, let's like make an attempt at it. Uh do you, what do you think about Facebook? Do you think it's good for the world? Uh, what's your perspective? Like if it went away tomorrow, uh, how would you feel? I would have nothing to report on. It would be so boring. <laughs> be out of work. No, <laughs> both people would figure out a way. I'd be out of work. I, I know Matt Honan and Jod Pachkowski would find something to assign you to. I'd be just twiddling my thumbs, just tweeting dumb shit uh, all day. <laughs> Microwave and fish. Oh, um, yeah, this is... You're talking about your day-to-day today yeah, anyway, yeah. so. Um, what would happen if it, I would think something probably replaces it, right? Um, mm. People have been conditioned to spend a lot of their time online now, uh, for better or worse. Their activity will probably go elsewhere Is it if it's in that same form. I mean, that's a given, yeah. right? Like, But what I'm getting at, though, is, is how would you feel? How would I feel? I'd oh. really like, yeah, why don't you weigh in on like whether it's good or bad? I don't use Facebook that much. Facebook. Like, okay, I know from about, your it, personal perspective, okay. but like talk about the way that it impacts the world and sort of your belief on that. I think it has different impacts in different places um, and at and, and, and different times. I mean, that seems like a dumb answer, but like, I mean, we remember how like, and this is the example everyone uses, but Arab Spring, you know, like how good everyone felt about like, showing everyone democracy and like posting about it, you know? Um, and that was like a great time for the social networks. And then like fast forward a couple of years later and you have genocide in Myanmar. Right. And that felt pretty shitty, you know, it was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I answered that question. I don't know. Like how would I feel? Fine. That, mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's hard to say. I just don't know where people would, would focus their time, where their energies, like what would, what would they throw themselves into next? It's good. It, yeah. gonna, they're going to throw themselves into something. 
is it TikTok? Are we just we're just gonna all start watching TikTok videos and then like start just talk about who controls that? Yeah, yeah. Or and then we're just gonna start uh, duetting with people and shit and like. <laughs> you say duetting like it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty great. Okay, how could someone? Someone, s- oh, someone sent me uh, um, duets of this. Like they're singing this Irish song, and they're just adding like layers of like. <laughs> you seen this? It's, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they all blend together. Someone point. got in some corner of TikTok, and then that this is what happened. This is how I absorb TikToks. Is people send them to me, and it's like someone mm-hmm. they're just like adding like layers of um, harmonies and and stuff to the song. It's like so funny. But yeah, maybe mm. that maybe that's the end of the world. Like the the next iteration, we just start singing over each other's songs. Yeah, you're just going to say end of the world. And, <laughs> duetting. I mean, and then, you hate duetting. Duetting is the end of the world. <laughs> uh, I think it's fun. Uh, I think like yeah. I think it's better than like organizing a genocide or like storming the capital on uh, you know. beats both of those <laughs> things. We say we say that, and then once like in in twenty years, yeah. that there's going to be like the over duet rebellion. The du- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, do, do you, so I, I uh, obviously was wrong on the last question mm. cause it sparks a new one. Um, do you, do you, so a lot of, a lot of time I think about, uh, given like, look, think about the sad state of affairs, uh, in our world today and wonder how much of that is actually social media's responsibility. And then I, of course, go to the, go back and think, well, this isn't the first time, uh, in, in world history that uh, something like this, that bad things have happened, uh, that people have killed people and people have, uh, you know, given power democratically to evil folks. So how much of that do you think about? And I mean, yeah, your story was, you know, talking about how like the social media was used, President Trump used social media to orchestrate a coup. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. Do you think that that a lot of the negative stuff that we see in the world today is a direct result of social media or where do you fall on that one? Some of it is definitely some of it is. I think we fall into this trap of like having to gauge social media again on this, like the totality of it all or like, like is if we add this thing to the positive side and and take this thing to the negative side, like where does this, where, where does the balance lie, you know? And like, is it a net good or is it a net bad? And I think that's, that's like, as a reporter, it's, it's hard to look at like the totality mm-hmm. of it, but you can report on individual instances where, I mean, things are good. For example, those are the things Facebook puts out press releases for. Um, uh, woman in India started a business and and connected to local merch, like local buyers and built a business and is now out of her village and into the, like made a living for herself. You hear those stories from Facebook all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounded a lot like a Cheryl. Yeah. I think, study. I think I probably borrowed it from yeah. her. I think I <laughs> heard it from her at Davos or something, but like, yeah. um, as a, <laughs> it's such a flex. I heard this story from Cheryl Sandberg. At I kind of just made it as a joke, but I did actually. See <laughs> no, her. no, I'm kidding. I actually did see her at Davos. Just, Davos is yeah. awful, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I'll never get invited back. I don't think. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's Ryan, <laughs> Jimmy, and Davos. Okay, sorry. I'm just lighting up sponsor after sponsor. World yeah, Economic Forum. Right. Later, dude. There we go. Yeah. You're never sponsored. They will not be in favor of the big technology <laughs> podcast mid roll. <laughs> <laughs> we should go for the after next like coca-cola gatorade jeez <laughs> ryan 
I got a business to run here. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I know BuzzFeed's Flush was cash and just uh, acquired the Huffington Post, but come on, this is a one person business. Tell me who you want to light up. I got to have some sponsor. Tell me who you want to light up. I'll light them up. Um, uh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, get, get to your point. To, come yeah, on. to my point. But like, as a reporter, you can always find instances where something terrible happens on these social networks. A mm-hmm. village in India lynches people because they believe that these people are um, child molesters because they heard a rumor on WhatsApp. We've written that story, you know, um, uh, Buddhists uh, in Myanmar, a Buddhist mob chases um, Muslims out of their country because they're riled up um, because their leaders on Facebook messenger spread rumors that Muslims are dogs. Um, been written about it at length, you know, like, so I, I, to my point is like, it's hard to like, be like, oh, like this way here and this way here, Facebook is good and Facebook is bad. But like, I don't think mm. that should be my role. I think my role should be to hold the platforms accountable in these instances where there are negative externalities and in writing about those, hopefully they can improve, um, and prevent that from ever happening again or repeating, um, is the ideal world, but, uh, in the ideal world, but it just seems like it's a broken record at this point and things keep repeating over and over. Yeah. And of course that shouldn't be your role, but it's also sort of the podcast is a great place for us to hear a little bit more about your mindset and your mentality and how you tackle these things, because yeah, we're the way that you come in to it matters too. But I will say, uh, I have, I've been reporting on Facebook for years and years and years, and I have learned a ton about the company through your stories. Thanks, man. So, and it's been a pleasure, uh, collaborating with you, uh, on those stories back in the day at Buzzfeed, not too long ago. Uh, back in the day. And I'm continuing to, uh, enjoy them as a reader. So thank you, thank you Ryan, uh, for, for the, really for the work you do. Um, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's valuable to the public uh, that we learn how these networks work uh, and uh, appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit more about your feelings about the company, uh, your thoughts about where things are going to go. And again, letting us into, you know, your mindset to provide a little context for people uh, that are reading out there. So thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, everyone can can find you on Twitter, I'm sure, unless your account has been <laughs> revoked. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe I'm going to sign off here and then just be like, oh, yeah. along with Donald Trump, Donald, real Donald Trump, <laughs> RMAC 18 has been, R-Mac 18 has just been suspended. Out. Um, yeah. Has been permanently banned from the platform. I'm just going to go change. There would be, yeah. Oh. There would be people happy about that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. As someone who's personally been dunked on by you on the platform. <laughs> Have I? You know, there were moments. Oh, yeah. Dude, come on. My, basically throughout all BuzzFeed. <laughs> you know, there were moments where I wanted Dorsey to ban you. But I I, I think that uh, you, you've shaped up in that regard, oh, wow. which I appreciate. <laughs> okay, but it's rmac18 yeah, it on Twitter. And then uh, uh, your BuzzFeed stories, people can find them where? At BuzzFeed slash Ryan-Mac, I believe. BuzzFeed.com slash Ryan-Mac. Or just Google me. Okay, good. I was waiting so you would actually give the, the URL. <laughs> Just Google me. And we'll end with one last flex. Well, anyway, Ryan, thank you much for jo- so much for joining. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We drop these interviews every single Wednesday. Uh, so we will be back here with another show next week. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to play uh, an interview that I recorded with one of Ryan's <laughs> favorite journalists. I don't know if I can say that. Glenn Greenwald, uh, who I had uh, just interviewed for a story that you're going to see on one zero. Uh, so that show will be on next week. So stick around for that. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. If you are a longtime listener and can rate us, that would be great. Uh, Ryan, once again, thank you for joining the show. Uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying uh, microwaving fish at home. Uh, everybody else appreciates that. All right, everybody, that'll do it for us. We will see you next week.